Hello and welcome to this final episode of Irreligiosophy, uh, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to really engage in intercourse while Jerry Falwell watches. He watches from, from the, the corner. Yeah, from the corner. Perhaps behind a screen? I'd put up a little screen if I was him, you know? Give people their, the illusion of privacy. <laughs> that way they yeah, don't you hold know, back. You know what kind of <laughs> flying fluids might hit you, too. So That's it's for your own safety. You're right. In these times of COVID, you need a screen to protect you from flying fluids when you're watching your wife have sex with the pool boy. And we've all been there. <laughs> I'm not going to regulate it, Matt, because that would be tyranny. I'm just going to suggest it. I don't want to restrict your freedoms. Yeah. Freedom! Don't get on my freedoms, Chuck. Don't tread on me. Are you treading on me? I believe you're treading on me. Quit treading on me. Snake. I, I've always been curious about that that flag. When I was young, I see that flag and I'm like, uh, why are people standing? They're like stepping on a snake. It's a snake. It's always a snake with a don't tread on me. You don't step on a snake. You go like, ah, snake. Like, and you run away. Nobody steps on a snake. I mean, I, I would step on a snake. You'd step on it. No, you'd step on the middle of the snake and it would pop up and bite your ankle. And you'd be like, why? Why did I step on a snake? Stop on a snake and the snake would go, ah, don't tread on me. Ah, that's right. And, My and you'd be like, that's where that comes from. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Fucking say. I'd be like squishing my, I did try to kill them, but I couldn't because I would just tread lightly on them. Oh, can that be a new thing? Tread lightly on me. <laughs> when you do tread on me, <laughs> tread lightly. Tread lightly. <laughs> uh, Love it. Oh, that's the Democrat snake, Chuck. Please, yeah. do, please don't tread. Okay, tread on me. Okay, tread lightly. Um, yeah, the Republican snake has like its tail wrapped around a fucking AR-15. <laughs> that's right. The Republican snake says, I have a protest to go to. I mean, not to protest, but to shoot people that are protesting, because that's the real tyranny. Yeah, the Republican snake has a little sign that says, don't tread on me, while it's just fucking treading over everybody else. <laughs> How dare you even think about treading on me? Oh, man. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Jerry Falwell, I think, was what we were talking about. Isn't he the first skunk dick candidate? He is. He's our skunk dick. He he deserves the following. Because <clears throat> I had the burp. And, you know, I think he deserved that. And I think that's called serendipity, is what that's called. Oh, yeah. It also could be called drinking a Diet Coke during the recording. Oh. <sighs> I mean, if you want to be less poetic about it. Chuck, first of all, I want to say there's nothing dickish about this behavior. And if you want to have sex with a pool boy and you want to watch in a corner... That's fine. Consenting adults? Nobody's getting hurt? Fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? Except... I'm glad you said that, Matt, because <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I had sex with a pool boy while someone was watching, I would be a very wealthy man. I could play at least two rounds of Donkey Kong. At least two. <laughs> <laughs> That's like ten, I guess. I've done this ten times. Just kidding. Um, did I have to say just kidding? No, but it makes it sound more real. Like I really did it. But, you know. Um, it makes it kind of, it's sneakily suspicious. You're like, <laughs> is he though? Is it? But, or am I? That's the thing. Or am I? Uh, but, there's a but here, Chuck, and it's not just Jerry Volvo's wife and the pool boy. <laughs> <laughs> In some sort of position. I don't know where I'm going with this. But, unless... Oh, it's not a but. It, was it an unless? I don't know. It's, that it's far less <laughs> Unless you're a moralizer. Unless you actually get up in front of people on TV and radio and you're head of some university that's all about, like, good Christian values and you continually throughout your whole life tell people what to do with their fucking life, especially their sex life, all the time, and you judge them and condemn them, then it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> because that's what happened. Also, well, Matt, yeah. Uh, do you remember how this started? 
it was a photo that he posted like on his own fucking Twitter or Instagram or some shit like that. Oh yeah. Uh, with him standing next to some young woman who was pregnant and their both their pants were unzipped yeah. and their bellies were showing. Uh so this that's what that's, started. That's how Satan gets in through the belly button. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started. And always with unzipped pants. And bare uh, lower abdomens. Um, so there was a lot of outraged students because they're like, I would have gotten fucking suspended or expelled from Liberty University for this behavior. Exactly. And here he is, like, with drinking alcohol and uh, he's got his pants zipped down uh, with a woman who's not his wife. He's posted it on his fucking Twitter account. <laughs> it is a, um, it's perfect because it's like, it is the uh, it's a world that we live in, Matt. This is the Trump's world. These people are so fucking. They just do it to themselves. Oh yeah, it's all morals are for thee, not for me. It's, yeah. it's, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Morals are for suckers and losers. Yeah. Oh God. Um, just in case you didn't hear this story, though, you don't want to hear about it. Who cares? It's Jerry fucking Falwell Jr. He's he's already resigned, or they kicked him out. I'm sure he'll get a massive severance package so oh boohoo for jerry falwell jr but it's it's just hilarious i went out yeah uh i feel bad for his wife though because she's not going to be getting the good stuff anymore you know no now she's just stuck with jerry falwell jr so yeah sorry yeah sorry so that's the candidate the hypocrisy i guess right the hypocrisy the hypocrisy no one Hypoc- is it? You know what? I even had this talk with someone else I know. Hypocrisy is not a thing anymore. Doesn't exist. No one fucking cares. That's what I was told. Get over it. It's a bullshit argument. <laughs> Literally, well, I was if told. You're that. constantly being reminded what a hypocrite you are. Uh, that's your response, right? Oh, I'm so fucking sick of charges of hypocrisy. I admit it. I'm a goddamn fucking hypocrite. Stop pestering me about it. I've already, uh, I've already stipulated to your complaint. My biggest complaint is people don't actually understand what hypocrisy is. It people people think about it in a general term as in like uh, you say one thing and you do another, but that's not really it. It's it's you say one thing and you believe another. You could be Gerald Falwell Jr. He is he a hypocrite. In, in essence, because he does he actually believe what he's saying? Or is that just part of his shtick now? Because I don't think he believes what he's saying. These people's true love is just money and power and being self-important and doing whatever the fuck they want. I don't think he really believes anything he's saying. I think he lives true to form. He's not really a hip- hypocrite. <laughs> he's showing everybody what he is. He just gets up and does... He's like... Uh, he's only a hypocrite in the sense that his public persona says one thing, and he has taken action against people who do very similar things, right? That's hypocrisy. Uh, if if you were to go out and say, you know, look, I'm resigning from the Liberty University because my public beliefs don't square with this. I'm going to let you keep your money, give it to someone else who actually believes in this shit. But if you say one thing, even if you don't believe it publicly, and then you do something different in private, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're a hypocrite. Well, we could argue semantics all day, but I mean, fuck Jerry Falwell Jr. I, that's enough for that guy. I think the one thing everyone can agree on is fuck Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah, yeah, uh, but not not in the sexual sense. Just just I mean, unless you're a pool boy, I guess. Man, I've got uh, another skunky candidate number two. Trump supporters in general, but specifically the Trump supporters who were uh, doing a um, boat parade in a Texas lake. Um, that's really, I think this, uh, this is, this works on so many levels as a metaphor for uh, Republicans and Trump supporters because they got a whole bunch of boats, right? And none of them right. paid any attention to the fucking safety regulations, right? Fuck safety. What's the word? Safety. That's that's tyranny. You can't tell me what to do. So they're boating around causing this massive wake and they uh, ended up sinking five boats. (laughs) 
Oh, my favorite oh. is the one that sank oh, and is yeah. sitting on the bottom of that bay with its little Trump flag intact. <laughs> it's just a... <laughs> oh, my God. No, this was this was basically... Uh, it was it was exactly everything the party stands for in as a metaphor in action. Just big boats, swamping smaller boats, and nobody giving a fuck. Do you think <laughs> do you think anybody sinking in one of the smaller boats was like, help me, my boat's sinking? Everybody else like, all boats matter. <laughs> well there are a bunch of calls to nine one one, right? Government, help me. I've been really incredibly stupid. Oh, that's right. You should pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Quit looking to the government to help you. Calling in for some socialist taxpayer funded (laughs) rescue systems. You welfare queen. Yeah. God always sucking off the teat. It works on so many goddamn levels. It's such a a great fucking metaphor for Trump, what he stands for, and the whole fucking Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. It showed exactly how his supporters think, which is just, fuck everyone but me. I don't care. I don't care what my actions do. I don't care the consequences, how they affect other people, as long as I get what I want out of it. Ugh, fucking people. The big boats are like, well... Sucks for you to have a small boat, man. If you were a better person, you'd have a massive boat like me. Fuck exactly. you. <laughs> exactly. If you weren't so lazy and you didn't take and you weren't That's a right. suck as a society, you'd have a big boat like I do. Have you tried being more like rich? I inherited from my father. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. Fucking. Uh, That's just. It just encapsulates everything about 2020, pretty much. It was it was hilarious, though. Uh, normally, I'm the kind of person that says, like, I'm just glad nobody got hurt. But the problem with Republicans and the right in general is that they don't get anything that requires empathy until it happens to them. So it's like somebody has to get hurt for them to figure shit out. I, it's, it's so maddening. Ugh. Fortunately, no one did get hurt, so, you know. Yeah, they just lost some money, which Trump is very good at doing himself. Again, it works on so many fucking levels. <laughs> so many fucking levels. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? They'll just, uh, what's that thing they do in business? They just write it off. They just write it off. <laughs> Pretty soon, they'll have a new boat. It'll be bigger and better. Uh, and the most beautiful boat, it's just... Lovely, you ever see. They're going to write off, they'll pay uh, less taxes and they'll pat themselves up on, on their back for their ingenuity. Yep. Yep. Um, before we get to the winner, I do have what one got? Uh, honor. I got an honorable mention. I don't, I don't care about this story at all. I think it's just funny. Uh, but Ukrainian Orthodox Church leader who blamed COVID on gay marriage now has COVID. Ha 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 ha! Uh, he's 91, Aha! so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I wish him well in his uh, gay marriage. Good luck. Yeah, that's good right. Luck with your new partner. Yep. I, I'm assuming that's what he did. And that's how he got COVID. That's how you get COVID. That is how you get COVID. Uh, so do we have a well, winner? I mean, it's just nice to see that even at age 91... Um, oh, you yes. know, you can come out and live in your society, you know. That's true. I applaud his bravery. Uh, yes, we do have a winner. Hang on. Let's file this into the computer. <laughs> the, winner and the winner is. Wait, did we even vote? Shit, we forgot to vote. Oh, oh vote for mine. God damn it. It's the boats. It's the boat. The boat. I see. I guess I got to vote for the boats because I think I can't. I can't. I think it's great what the Falwells did <laughs> with pool boy. And I'll also vote no. for COVID nineteen infecting that uh, priest. Um, that's my. Oh, second. that's right. Ah, oh, you're double voting. Who told you to do that? Was it? Was it Trump? It was Trump, wasn't it? He told you to vote twice. 
I vote for the pool boy. I think he's he's the real winner at all of this. That's <laughs> uh, that's uh, hard to argue, Matt. Pool boy, pool boy for president, twenty twenty. He couldn't do a worse job. <laughs> just all right. No let's way. Feed that into the computer. Oh my God! It's the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindo. <laughs> you know, the only thing that surprises me is that he has not ever come up on this show before. <laughs> I know how how has he gotten away so long? Such a <sighs> massive douchebag. How is that even possible? Chuck, are you familiar with the My Pool guy? Do we need some background? <laughs> oh, I'm familiar with the My Pillow guy. Um, but our audience may not be. Um, he made a pillow, and that's it. <laughs> he that's makes the American pillows. Dream. The American dream. My right pillow. There. My pillow and me. Uh, I think they make blankets and some other shit now, too. Um, he's, he's rich as shit and um, just a total dumbass. I mean, that's... Now, now, Chuck, their pillows are made in the USA, and they are washable and dryable. I mean, oh, my God. You got that. No wonder yeah. he's rich. Thank God exactly. someone did that. Um, you might remember him from being at a <laughs> White House coronavirus briefing where he told people to pray and read the Bible. Uh, or you might remember him from being on uh, Anderson Cooper the other day, touting his new <laughs> coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 cure, whatever. Yeah, one of these people just pick this shit like out of a hat. They're like, okay, well, um, uh, that didn't work. How about this random fucking herb or spice? Yeah. Uh, what is this random herb or and or spice that he's touting? Uh, I think it was oleandrin, wasn't it? It was oleandrin. Essentially, I mean, some I sort mean, of... Do you need to know anything about it? I mean, come on. Well, it's a toxic cardiac glycoside. <laughs> so, that... Well, it sounds good so far. Yeah. <laughs> it has potent cytotoxicity, which I don't have to explain that. We all know what that means. Deadly to cells. Oh, is that what it means? Oh. That's usually not a... I mean, if you're looking at cancer, like treating cancer, then yes, you want something that's cytotoxic. But hopefully, it'll be cytotoxic only to the cancer cells, not to your own fucking cells. Yeah, how would you how would you target this? I mean, he probably I'm gonna just go to wild guess here. He probably owns fucking money in some oleandrin company, and he's hawking it now just because you know there's a pandemic, and you don't want a pandemic to go away without totally exploiting it for your own personal gain. Well. Yeah, I mean, like any snake oil salesman, he basically just found some shit he could package up, put in a bottle. Doesn't have to put any research and development into it, right? Just just put it in a pill form. <laughs> it's an emergency, Matt. Emergency. Make like 90% of it sugar or something and just tell people it, it'll cure them and fucking run away with the money. Throw a little Jesus in there, so if it starts killing people, you just blame it on Jesus, right? Oh, yeah, that's the best part when he's on Anderson Cooper, where he's like, he's like, look, it'll cure your COVID. Which, by the way, I mean, in, I can't remember exactly how he said, but he very clearly intimated that it will cure COVID, which is a statement you cannot make. <laughs> you cannot make that shit out about supplements. That's You're actually saying something that it does something. The whole thing with supplements is that they have to dance around it, you know? The one thing the Hatch Act uh, does not allow you to do as a supplement is the claim that it treats or cures a specific medical illness, right? That's why you always hear, like, oh, it gives you energy. Oh, you, you can think better. Right. Oh, get more, get it to go. You know, it's just all vague shit. Improves this. And they'll never tell you that it reduces heart disease or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, it's fucking snake oil. He just sat there, and then when Anderson Cooper pressed him on it, he just launches some Jesus tirade about he's doing it all for the glory of Jesus, and the media is trying to take it away, blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. <laughs> you piece of shit. I hope you get COVID and take oleandrin for it. Yeah, 100%. That that should be the sentence of all of these like snake oil salesmen. They should all fucking have to use their own goddamn medicine. Yeah. But that's it for today. 
Should we launch into the meat of the podcast? Which is, um, what is it? I don't even know. Let's go into the part two of our final episode uh, interview with uh, Jeff Blackwell, who is the chief superior uh, number one uh, high lord uh, <laughs> litigation officer for American Atheists. The high lord priest uh, lawyer man thing. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Pontifex Maximus, you know, whatever. He's the only one, so he gets all those titles. Oh, he's the prime Aka Six. Uh, damn it, I wish I could remember my Douglas Adams. But I can't, so that's all you get. <laughs> but you mentioned Hosanna, you mentioned Hobby Lobby. That's where I started on this. I mean, that's, what, that's what I want to come back to. So we know that a, a teacher at a religious school is um, a minister probably 98% of the time. Um, Did this ruling just establish that, by the way? All teachers are not in so few words. Not in so few words, but essentially, yes. Um, You know, these teachers, you know, walked their kids to mass, made sure they behaved in mass. They, you know, one of them, um, uh, at the beginning and of each day, a student was selected to lead the class in prayer. She also, you know, from the from the textbooks and whatnot, taught them what the prayers are. Um, therefore, she's a minister. I mean, the court goes into far. The court engages in a lot of casuistry to get to that point, but that's essentially Matt. Matt, the actual verbiage I'm reading this directly uh, now is for the purposes of fucking people over. And no other yes. purpose. I was looking for that quote. Thank Can you. she be considered a minister? That's the actual. That's, that's basically my take from it is yep. that like any religious school now, if they have a problem with any teacher, they can fire them and just say, minister, they're yeah. a minister. And I don't want to disrupt you or derail you Our again. business. But does okay, this invalidate the Americans with Disabilities Act for the purposes of churches? Like for if, the purposes if, of employment. If they have an actual minister and uh, he um, gets his legs amputated because of an uh, exorcism gone wrong, the demon got out there, broke both of his legs, and they're permanently gone now. Uh, mm-hmm. He wheels himself into the church and they say, fuck you, you're fired. He has, yeah, no, they can do that. He has no recourse. He has no recourse. Not outside, I, sh- I should say, not to the courts. Not to any U.S. government. You know, I guess he still has recourse to Jesus. Yeah, presumably, uh, presumably, some religious organizations have like an internal dispute mechanism that would address that kind of thing. I don't. I don't know. I I haven't been to a Catholic church in over twenty years. <laughs> so it's amazing. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I never amazing. thought about that. Do churches and religious schools have to put in like? wheelchair ramps and and accessible uh entryways and to comply with that act so so if some if some minister did lose his legs in an accident they're like he's like nah i'm gonna need a ramp up to my classroom they're like actually uh, you're fired like right exactly um i don't know with certainty the answer to that question but i believe that the provisions of the ada the the americans with disabilities act that apply to Everyone who's not an employee, so like handicap ramps and things like that, would still be applicable to them. Um, so they would have to provide, you know, the same sort of accessibility type things that they have to provide to everybody. Um, it applies to the building, but, just just not the human beings inside of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I and again, I, I I've not looked into that exact question, so I can't give you a definitive answer. But sure. I believe that that's the case. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm reading... But uh, they could still fire him. Yep. I'm reading a government brief on the ADA. It says it does not apply to religious organizations. Oh, okay. But some churches have adopted the accessibility standards for public accommodations. Because, you know, some churches... Oh, because churches aren't public accommodations, and therefore, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yes, of course. But some of them act in good faith. <laughs> Well, listen, if you can't uh, get those disabled members into the church, you can't molest them. So there well, are certain exceptions. Or get their money. I mean, some churches, like most of their their congregation are disabled people, as in like old, old, bitter, white, racist 
<laughs> it also it also really cuts down on those scammy faith healing videos if the people who are handicapped can't make it into your building. That's true. That is yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You got to make gotta, your at least you allow make your faith healing. Allow things. the 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 fake wheelchairs to get into the building, and then they can't stand up uh, from it. That's true. That's a good point. So, is there any level of of human decency that the law? expects or requires of religion <laughs> it doesn't seem like it no no i don't think there is yeah and what's dangerous is so um these cases and hosanna Tabor before them were about schools um and specifically about teachers but there's no reason that it has to be limited to teachers if you are let's say uh, uh, I should stop playing with a Velcro thing near my mic. That's not good sound. <laughs> <laughs> Some people love that. We'll just be one of those ASMR Yeah, we'll turn channels. this into an ASMR episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, let's, you know, if you are um, head janitor at a Catholic school and, you know, at your department meetings every morning, you lead your staff in prayer, are you a minister? Because it seems to me under these decisions that you are. Absolutely. And what, and once you get to that point, now there are a lot of religious nonprofit hospitals out there. Chuck, you're you're a doctor. I don't know that if you've ever worked at a at a um, at a religious hospital, um, but from my conversations with people who are employed at religious hospitals, a fair amount of what you have to do is infused with religion. Part of the you know the guidance that the Catholic Church puts out to its hospitals is talking about Jesus as a healer and all this you know, stuff that motivates them to have hospitals. So if you're a nurse at a Catholic hospital or any religious hospital, are you entitled to protection under the um, Civil Rights Act? I think this court may very well say no. If you're a doctor, you very well may not have the protection of uh, federal anti-discrimination and employment laws. So very now all ministers. Very briefly, uh, in my training in Arizona, I worked at a religious hospital, and I believe it was a Catholic hospital. Uh, okay. During my obstetrics rotation, these are like four weeks during your intern year. I remember you telling horror stories on previous episodes. About yeah, they had a, a gag the rule: miracle of childbirth that you could okay. not uh, discuss abortion. Sure, uh, you couldn't talk about abortion. Uh, and that's like strictly. with patients as an option. So a patient comes in, you could not give them. You couldn't talk about abortion. So I remember you always go in before the attending physician goes in. The attending physician's actually employed, right? You're just rotating through. Your employer is the uh, residency program. It's a different hospital. Okay. So um, she asked specifically about abortion, and I said, "I can't tell you anything about abortion." Let me write it down. And so I gave her Planned Parenthood, uh, her <laughs> phone number, and I slipped it across the table. It's just ludicrous that they, that they allow uh, religious beliefs, any religious beliefs, to interfere with the practice of medicine, to get in between you and uh, your dog. That's what pissed me off about the Hobby Lobby decision. <laughs> Fuck you guys yeah. and your corporation's religious beliefs. And so now let's, let's return to Hobby Lobby because for those who haven't listened to it, Seem to remember there were irreligious. Oh, I can mispronounce that. Irreligious exactly episodes. It's impossible <laughs> to pronounce. I, I, you know, I've been listening to irreligiosity since 2009, so I've gotten pretty good. At Holy that. shit! Uh, Those right, screwed it up there. I'm going to go ahead and apologize um, for any legal analysis we've given. Those must be excruciatingly <laughs> painful to listen to from an attorney's perspective. Our well, hobby okay, lobby cause... episode was on point. And... <laughs> it's okay because you guys basically haven't put out any episodes while I've been interning. So. Oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, Thank God. So, in Hobby Lobby, the court said essentially, um, and they're you know again they talk about a bunch of different issues, but at the at its core, because the government provided exemptions to the ACA's various requirements to non-religious entities for a myriad of reasons. They could not turn around and say that religious entities are not also entitled to, or that a religious for-profit business is not also entitled to an exemption. So if having exemptions 
to a statute means that you must also provide an exemption to um, for religious reasons to that statute. I cannot see any reason. And, and by the way, Hobby Lobby is a private company. They have a religious, you know, statement in their bylaws and or founding documents and whatnot. Um, but the exemptions that the court pointed to was, you know, hey, there are these nonprofit religious entities that the government exempts from these requirements. So since they exempt those entities, you must exempt these private, closely held religious corporations as well. Now, we know from these decisions that nonprofit religious entities are exempt from federal anti-discrimination and employment laws. There is, as far as I can tell, no barrier that keeps the court from saying, as long as we're providing these exemptions to nonprofit religious entities, we must provide them to religious for-profit entities as well. And now Hobby Lobby, a private for-profit business, can discriminate along whatever lines it wants for those positions that it considers to be administered. Right. Uh, how far are we away from just plain admitting that in order to freely exercise your religion, you have to discriminate? I mean, it's it's you just. <laughs> I mean, it's part and parcel some of, of our some religion. of the arguments that have been presented in these cases are, um, you know, subtextually they are saying, "Look, we have to discriminate because our religion says so." Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, they they um, get so up in arms about any hint of religious discrimination, right? That's what the whole Espinoza case is about. You can't discriminate against my religion. But when it comes to someone who has breast cancer or someone uh, who, who just would prefer to have their insurance cover fucking birth control, they'll, uh, we have the God-given right to discriminate the shit out of these people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, used, it used to be that uh, the, the prohibition, if these guys are actual originalists, these no-aid clauses should be right up their alley, right? This is what our founding document of the Constitution was all about. Separation yeah, they should. You know, Gorsuch in particular, who is, you know, especially after we haven't talked about the, the decision. I don't know that we have time. We're going through a lot of now. But, um, you know, in, in the court's recent decision that said discrimination uh, based on sexual identity or sexual orientation is discrimination on the basis of sex and is prohibited, again, by Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act, which, of course, it is. I mean, of course, right, <laughs> discrimination... Right. Of sexual orientation and sexual identity is discrimination on the basis of sex. You really can't get around that. Gorsuch was hailed by some as this great textualist by just, he looked at the language of the statute and that's what he stuck to and that's what Congress passed, so that's what the law says, regardless of what they may have thought they were saying. Um, but at the same time, in these other cases, the court has consistently scaled back the Establishment Clause, to the point where now it may not even be operative um, unless, unless you know, the government says we're all Catholic now or something along those lines. Right. Um, while expanding the Free Exercise Clause, which goes directly against what the text of the actual amendment says. The First Amendment starts, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, Respecting an establishment of religion is much broad. A law respecting an establishment of religion is much broader than a law that establishes religion. And and the founders could have said, Congress shall make no law establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. But they didn't. They said respecting an establishment of religion. So it must be broader from a textual point of view than simply pure establishing a state religion. On the other hand, the free exercise clause says, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. They could have said, or burdening, or unduly burdening the free exercise thereof. But they didn't say that. They said they can't prohibit the exercise of religion. And yet, the free exercise clause has been read to essentially be anything that makes the, you know, the practice of my religion any bit more difficult or less beneficial is a violation. And so they've got it from a textualist perspective, precisely backwards, which is why Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch is a hypocrite. Justice Scalia was a hypocrite. Thomas is a hypocrite. This sounds suspiciously like how the Second Amendment is treated. Yes. 
Yeah. Like they they focus on one part of the sentence and toss out anything that they don't like. Yeah, I mean, it used to be in the, in the founders' minds when they're when they're thinking about this stuff, they'd come out of like two hundred years of uh, of warfare, right? With Reformation, counter-reformation, people killing each other because they're a different religion. A state-established religion, the uh, state persecutes people who are of any other religion. You know, if if you're going to um, prohibit the free exercise, you put them in prison or you straight up murder them, seize their assets and give it to the church or the state. That's what they were aiming to prevent. They weren't aiming to prevent slight inconveniences from um, from people. I, I cannot imagine in any universe prohibiting the free exercise of religion, meaning you deserve a scholarship to send your kid to a private fucking religious institution. Right. I, you get exemptions from the law. Yeah. Um, and I, Matt, I want to push back on one thing there with the, the Second Amendment. So the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary yeah. to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say prohibited. The First Amendment could just as well have said Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or, religion, or infringing the free exercise thereof. That is much broader than prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Yeah. But they didn't say that. They said prohibiting. And the textualists and originalists just, you know, they ignore that. It, it basically goes completely unmentioned. <sighs> the Supreme Court has prohibited the free exercise of religion in the past. In 1890, when they decided that uh, the, the Mormons couldn't practice polygamy. And they were disenfranchised yep. and they're taking all their assets. That's prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Uh, at least as, as as close as I can think of uh, in my vast library of Supreme Court decisions I have in my head. Um, I mean, none readily uh, come to mind that are more on point than that. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're not prohibiting. Yeah, they, they kind of. I mean, they, they are kind uh, of you know, human sacrifice. And <laughs> they're uh, they're infringing, I suppose, on the free exercise of their religion. I mean, you can still practice 99.9% of Mormonism, uh, uh, the rest of Mormonism. Uh-oh. I think I lost Chuck. Oh, no. He is frozen. Uh-oh. Am I frozen? No. Can frozen. you hear me? Chuck, come back to us. Ah, you have returned. I'm back. Wonderful. Yeah, we lost you there for about three or four minutes. It was um, – I went on a brilliant uh, monologue, um, but unfortunately it was not captured for posterity. Here's here's my worry. This just like the Hobby Lobby thing is is this ruling is this going to be one of those? Um, it's going to end up as a precedent for a flurry of other lawsuits to follow, or maybe are there other loose lawsuits um, in the works right now that, that I don't even know about that are that are, that are basically religious schools that are like, oh, now I want money. We can get money now. Um. Yes, I am sure that we will see a flurry of these kinds of things, um, and we will see we will see other provisions or, or other lawsuits that seek to expand what the court says in in Espinoza. We're already actually, uh, you know, I, it hasn't cropped up in, in my cases. My cases uh, that are currently in courts actually have, <laughs> have nothing to do with either of these decisions. So. Um, my job's been a, a little bit easier than some of my colleagues, but um, governments in in uh, the lawsuits brought by some of our coalition partners are already raising Espinoza as um, you know a a reason the court should throw out their lawsuits. Yeah, and there's a there's a Chuck again. Who knows how long he'll be here this time? <laughs> Not very long. Oh, oh poor Chuck. This hey. is going to be fun to edit. Oh, we don't edit anymore. We just put it all in. Oh, okay. We threw out editing because it was too much work. All right. Um, and what do you think, Chuck? Uh, well, Matt, um, I totally disregard everything you guys have last said for the last five minutes. I think it's totally not even worth talking about. So uh, voting is not important. Exactly. In this, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, We're not fucked, and I'm sure the federal judiciary will be. Just fine. And You're totally PGD. overreacting, Matt. All we'll do is when we get 
Joe Biden in and Hillary Clinton as his vice president will double oh the God. size of the federal judiciary, will pack the Supreme Court, problem solved. That would be I hilarious. Am, I am precluded from taking a position on that statement. <laughs> Can you take a position on the statement that if Joe Biden picked Hillary Clinton as his running mate, that it would be hilarious? <laughs> oh, sure. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, bold move. I'd say let's let's roll the dice on that one. Yeah, let's do it. Um, my question. What about Obama? He could have Obama as his running mate, right? Questionable constitutionality on that one, Matt, because if he dies, Obama's ineligible to become president. He's already served two terms. Yeah, Yeah, but what's the exact wording? Is it like you can't you can't get voted in or you can't you just can't serve as president for more than two terms or something like that? Like, can you? Um, So if I remember right, you cannot be in a position anywhere in the line of succession if you have served two terms as president. Oh. Now, I don't know I don't know the exact language, um, but that's my understanding. Yeah. But he could be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, that's I like true. that idea. I mean, he was a constitutional scholar. Is that good enough? I think he's too moderate. Yeah. I want someone who's yeah. far to the left of Obama. <laughs> I want someone who's so far to the left she can barely see Ginsburg <laughs> from where she's standing. Um, my question is, the principle of, of precedent, right? So these mm-hmm. idiotic court cases are now law, and they mm-hmm. should be respected as precedent. Uh, the little bit about Espinoza I read kept fucking referring to Trinity v. Lutheran, right? Which I believe was the case we had you on a couple years back to discuss. It was, yeah. And I happen to be from Columbia, where that Columbia, Missouri, where that church is. Over and over and over again, this fucker... Keeps citing Trinity Lutheran, which is the shittiest decision, but it's yeah. law. And also, and and Trinity Lutheran specifically says this only applies. Yes, this, this decision only applies to grant programs providing um, playground resurfacing materials right. or reimbursing for playground resurfacing. Right. They specific, uh, like they said in Hobby Lobby, this is just a, a very narrow decision that just impacts closely held you know organizations that are involved. Fuck you, people. You know exactly what you're doing. Um, but that principle, is it stare decisis? Is that what the, the – the, did I get the Latin right on that? You got it exactly right. Yeah. What happens to stare decisis if these court cases conflict with each other and they're inconsistent? How do you respect that? So when there are inconsistencies and they happen all the time, you have to distinguish the cases from each other and – and construe them narrowly enough that they don't conflict. And if there's no way to do that, then one overrules the other. And uh, I mean, subsequent Supreme, the Supreme Court generally is obligated to respect stare decisis. We saw that in Robert's decision in um, June Medical v. Gee, the abortion rights case um, this past month. Um, Right. The impressive part about that one was it was a 5-4 decision only because I think uh, Roberts switched sides, right? To respect the, been, the previous decision. Yeah, there's been some talk that that was the case, uh, that, that that was what happened. Who knows? Because uh, he, he was on the other side in the previous decision. He was one of the four, right? Oh, correct. Yes, he was on the. He wrote a dissent in that case, and then in this case said, regardless of the fact that I disagree with the outcome in whole women's health, whole women's health is the law, and we must follow it. Except that the Supreme Court does not have to follow the, the general rule for the Supreme Court regarding stare decisis is um, that past, past precedent should stand unless essentially the prior case was wrong or the facts have changed so much that the prior case is simply no longer relevant, Interesting. operative, or relevant. Yeah, interesting. Now, I would argue that a slew of the cases that they've decided are wrong. Yeah, right. Fairly uh, obvious. Just straight up wrong. But, uh, you know, it may be quite some time before we see a majority of the Supreme Court agree with me on that. Whole Women's Health was the um, about doctors having to have admitting privileges. Was it that one? Meaning they think um, that was ruled that they don't have to have admitting privileges. Correct. If they're going to perform abortion. So how many states have tried have adopted that though? I thought that was one of those popular workarounds. Oh, 
I, I am the wrong person to ask. Uh, I, again, we're getting outside my area of expertise. Um, I don't oh, no. know. In today's world, if you have expertise in one subject, you can sound off on anything. <laughs> don't worry, Jeff. I learned that from Michio Kaku. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to edit out all of Matt's questions, just like I always yep. do. So you know. Hey, I'll have you know when you disappeared thanks to internet problems, I asked the same questions that you came back and immediately asked. You asked (laughs) about Starry Decisis? I totally said that. I quote. (laughs) I quoted that. Oh, God. I didn't have to look that up when you said it. Impressive. I think you did start to talk about precedent. (laughs) I was trying to talk about precedent as Chuck was flickering in and out of existence on my screen. Um, but that's that's the history of this podcast is me asking all the smart questions and Chuck taking credit for it. So just that I mean, is it's always the, yeah. It, the precedent on irreligiosity yeah. is that one person always has to be the one doing the work. Yeah, um, and that person has shifted over time. But now, in a strange turn of events, it seem like I'm an idiot. <laughs> so Chuck looks smart by comparison. And that's that's just very kind sh- of you, man. Yes, I know. It's just a show I put on. In a strange turn of events, the only person doing any work in this podcast is you, Jeff. No one else has done a goddamn bit of work. I, I oh, love not, these are not show only notes. did I research the cases. I mean, I had to. That's part of my job. But I'm the one recording the episode. Come on, guys. <laughs> that's right. It, it, I will say that I tried to. I made a valiant effort, and I I, I got sick of the uh, Roberts. Um, continually referring to the previous Trinity Lutheran. And I scanned ahead, and it was like, not only these people um, concur, but they got about right about, they can't just join the decision, they got to write their own fucking separate concurrence. And so there were like four separate yeah. fucking concurrences. I agree, but also this. Holy yeah. shit. The, the worst, and I can't remember which decision it was, one of the like six decisions that we've been keeping an eye on that came out in the last month. Um, Kavanaugh wrote a three-paragraph concurring opinion that essentially says, um, I agree with what Justice Thomas said in his concurrence. <laughs> you just got to put it on record. You can't just yeah. join it. Uh, I I still think... Three paragraphs. I'm not exaggerating. Scalia. Three paragraphs. Sorry, Matt, go just ahead. Unbelievable. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just advancing my conspiracy theory that Clarence Thomas murdered Scalia in his sleep so that... He, he could ascend in prominence upon the Supreme Court and start writing, start writing. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, briefs? No, opinions. That's it. No, I don't know. Whenever they get something, they he wrote opinions. Something. He just never asked any questions, right? Oh, that's right. He's and he he he'd always join. I think he always joined Scalia. Pretty much, he's always their best buds. Yeah, I actually, this is the most niche joke ever, but I, I used to work at, I worked at a bookstore for like 10 years. And um, one of my coworkers one day came up to him and was like, hey, did you see the new um, Clarence Thomas biography? And I said, no, I I saw that, you know, the new, that Justice Scalia put out a, a new biography. Um, and my coworker said, yeah, well, Thomas B. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. God. Which only about half a percent of the country will get. I love it. I love it. Well, before we bring this podcast to a close, what is the solution? I mentioned the the correct solution, which is doubling the size of the judiciary, uh, immediately voting in Puerto Rico and uh, Washington, D.C. as new states. We can get four more senators uh, and then packing the Supreme Court. Uh, what is your solution? So absolutely top of the list is – for those who think the, the separation of church and state is vital to the survival of our country, vote. You have to vote. Um, and I would add, be vocal. Be vocal in interacting with, with elected officials, government officials, and candidates for office. And, and when you're interacting with them, say, you know, I am an atheist, I'm a constituent of yours, and you, and it would benefit me if you did X, it would, you know, harm my community, me or my community if you did X. Um, speak out, speak out as an atheist, let government officials know that we are a sizable constituency, regardless of where you are in the country. Uh, in terms of policies that can be put in place, um, there are some very interesting uh, ideas regarding court backing. I'm of 
a mixed mind on court packing because there's a very significant risk that you turn it, turn that into a partisan football. And eventually we have a Supreme court that's like 65 different people because just every party that gets in power next expands it. So they can give themselves a majority and it grows exponentially. Absolutely. I now, think, I, I think with Merrick Garland, uh, yeah, that is that horse mm-hmm. has left the barn. I think they politicized that a long time ago. Yeah, I, I think the uh, and, and with their packing of the federal judiciary, um, they they stopped I don't know hundreds of Obama's uh, yeah. guys from going forward, and they packed it uh, at a record pace this term with Republican, conservative, idiotic judges who didn't even get the uh, bar association's approval. You know, just anyone who was young and conservative because these are lifetime appointments. Um, mm-hmm. They've the the Republicans have just destroyed the judiciary as even remotely neutral politically. Yeah, and now so um, the 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 shape that the judiciary takes is entirely governed by the Judiciary Act that Congress has amended over time. Um, given how overworked the judiciary is, uh, maybe it makes sense to double the number of judges and every you know, every, um, federal court in the country. Um, yes, I don't know. Uh, and Congress could do that, but I'm not a scholar in those, in those, um, various theories and, um, uh, well, let's turn to someone who is Matt Wakefield. Yeah. What? (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was I in? Was I in this conversation? You, I was asking what your uh, opinion is on the solution to our current crisis of the Supreme Court and judiciary dominated by Christian nationalists. Oh God, I don't got one for a lot of reasons. Jeff was saying. I mean, we wrote in a Democrat, and then I, 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 I to... would love if we could avoid some sort of tit for tat every time and administration changes but it's i swear we're locked into this downward spiral right now here's here's what scares me too is is the democrats self-select into uh urban centers uh it's possible that um republicans will dominate the states uh outside of a few very populous states so all the democrats concentrate in like six or eight states along the coasts and then republicans uh, can do constitutional amendments right with they if they end up controlling vast amounts of of state legislatures oh my god no i can see your washington dc idea backfiring too if they granted statehood i'd swear you'd immediately see both north and south dakota divided the east south dakota west south dakota north south east north dakota you'd have four dakotas i think the dakotas be like we need an east kansas i think the dakotas actually were uh uh, carved into two states um for the express express purpose of making more republican senators there'd be two wyoming's yeah Uh, All right, so, and they draw the line to to divide large metropolitan areas right down the middle. Too. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. They put like that state line right through. Yep. Pierre or Cheyenne or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh God! So really, there's no solution. We're all fucked. Is that the end result of the podcast? Uh, no, uh, no, we're not. So there, there are a number of things going our way. First of all, um, obviously, I'll say it again: vote. Um, but. You know, the, the demographics are not on the side of the Christian nationalists. Um, depending on how you measure and precisely what you're measuring, the non-religious or religiously apathetic segment of the American population is somewhere between a quarter and a third of the country and growing rapidly. I, I, I I truly think it's only a matter of time before there no amount of gerrymandering, no amount of, you know, imposition of decisions from the court and whatnot will stem that tide. I was right up there with you until November of 2016. And then all confidence was shattered. That's a valid point. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope, uh, 
I hope we're growing. I hope we're growing at a steady pace. But uh, the way the Electoral College is, if we keep clustering ourselves in cities, yeah, yeah we may be fucked. But that's, so um, back in October, American Atheist did a survey. It was the first survey of its kind and first survey of the size of the non-religious community. It was close to 35,000 participants, non-religious individuals across the country participated in the survey. You know, we are not localized in just big cities. There are substantial numbers of atheists in rural, urban, suburban, exurban communities across the country, regardless of the religiosity, religiosity, the religiosity of the uh, community they're living in. But many out of fear stay silent. And Matt, that is why we need to get out, make waves, be loud, we talk to just like Jeff said, we get in the face of our representatives, get in our community, and that is exactly why we've had a, a uninterrupted weekly podcast for the past eleven years. That's right. We're doing our part. What about you fuckers? That's right. And and I should add, as litigation counsel for American Atheists, if you would like to support our efforts to fight back on this in the courts, in um, lobbying legislatures and things like that, please, please visit um, atheists.org, A-T-H-E-I-S-T-S dot org. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, throw us a little... A little bit of scratch, if you can. I know things yeah, can. right now are not the greatest. First, we need to survive the next, like, six months. You can make or donations, year, or, or you years. can even just join, right? Yes, absolutely, join. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah we, need a, we need a lobby group. Absolutely. That's what everybody's doing these days. Uh, American atheists do fantastic work. Uh, the, um, the people fighting in a lot of these things are either American atheists or you guys are either following them closely or... or Doing these like um, uh, friend of the court briefs, right? The amicus curiae. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm, stuff all I the time. am in the middle of drafting an amicus brief for a Supreme Court case this fall right now. Yeah, we need we need help. We need money to, to do all this stuff, um, and these guys are in the front lines, the forefront. Um, yeah, and we like I mentioned before, we don't have anything compelling people to tithe. So you just got it right. If you want to support us. Please do out of the goodness of your heart and reason. And it's tax deductible. Yes, we're a 501c3. Your donations are tax deductible. So if you do not want to burn an atheist hell, you need to give 10% of your income directly to <laughs> Jeff Blackwell. <laughs> well, not directly yes. to me. I'm oh. not tax exempt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, you can do that. You can give me money, but Just, you'll have to it'll count toward your income. You won't get the, yeah, the tax write-off. All right, that's a good point. Um, also, you have a you've restarted a new podcast, right? Yes. So I, for years, had a podcast that was very much on the irreligiosity release schedule of whatever the hell I felt like. Excellent. Um, all too common law. That has concluded, um, but in its place is a new podcast that my law school buddy and I put together called the Not So Grand Jury. Um, and every episode, we use a film to talk about issues. Um, in, in law school, when you're doing exams, you do what's called issue spotting, where the professor gives you a hypothetical and you have to talk through all the various legal issues that it raises. And that's basically what we do with movies. So, for instance, um, I am right now, in addition to writing a Supreme Court amicus brief, I don't know why I do this to myself, editing a, um, an episode on the movie Spotlight. That'll be out next Sunday. It's a bi-weekly podcast um, uh, on iTunes and Google Podcasts and wherever fine podcasts are sold. So basically you take movies that have some sort of uh, legal uh, – like, for example, God's Not Dead 2 that has a court, a real-life court case in the middle of it. And you can just dissect all the complicated legal stuff in there. Yeah, I don't know that we would do God's Not Dead just because I don't know if I can make it through God's Not Dead again after we, I believe, we were going to do a God's Not Dead breakdown. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's essentially what we do. We just did an episode on the Lincoln Lawyer, the Matthew McConaughey uh, vehicle, so to speak, where we broke down the criminal trial at the heart of that case and brought in a public defender as a guest to talk about uh, brought in a couple of guests one of whom was a public defender um to talk about what they got 
right and and mostly what they got wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it must be painful every time I see uh, some medical stuff. It's just it's kind of excruciating to watch. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be interesting um, to, to download that podcast and see what you guys think about this because. Uh, my entire family are lawyers, like literally like five out of seven uh, of my siblings are, yeah. are attorneys. Um, but I don't, yeah, don't know shit about it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And it, it's not like a normal movie review podcast. We don't talk about, you know, the craft of movie making or, you know, scene by scene breakdowns or anything like that. We pick out the most important legal issues in the movie and, and some, you know, particularly with spotlight, we're talking about a lot of things that are, are, are outside of the movie. What happened after the scandal that's depicted in the movie? What happened after even the movie came out and the legal impact that the movie had? That sounds really good. That was so, called the uh, not so grand jury. The not so grand jury. Not so, not so grand jury dot com. Gotcha. Yeah. All yes. right. <laughs> or you you would normally be able to reach us at Twitter at not so grand jury, but for some reason before I was even able to tweet a single time from our twitter account we were suspended by twitter excellent <laughs> why and i'm appealing it but they haven't reinstated our account yet i don't know what the heck. i don't Sorry, know content. the podcast it was I, so controversial never, you were banned we never from tweeted a thing i have absolutely no idea why our account amazing it's because <sighs> yeah, you're an atheist is you're a dirty atheist that's right you should sue them viewpoint the discrimination non-religious discrimination that's right <laughs> Matt and I are going to do a podcast uh, talking specifically about pilot movies. Yes, all of them. I think there's at least three. Air, airplane, Air Force One, yep. uh, Con Air. Airplane 2. Airplane 2, okay. Uh, yes. What about like uh, Gravity? Are we bringing in space piloting? Yeah, Matt. What no, about that's that? outside the, my purview. The Core, that would be a great one. <laughs> Solely, there was Flight. I can talk about that one. That was ridiculous. I, United 93, I think that's all of them. I think we got them. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a short from, podcast. Uh, still playing. You forgot. It'll be a good, good miniseries. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Uh, even though we didn't solve shit in our country, thanks uh, for so nothing. All right. I didn't. All, all I wanted to let everyone know about was what shit we were in. Yeah, we are in some. I think shit. we accomplished that. We are in some serious so. shit, and if we don't, uh, I think. If if nothing happens with the Supreme Court, and and my God, I just read an article that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was admitted to the hospital for an infection. What is she oh, no. like fucking eighty seven yeah. years old? She's she seems to be recovered and resting. Um, and so, you know, but yeah, I have a I have a um, heart palpitation every time. The only thing that makes me feel better about that is Mitch McConnell. You know, does not replace Supreme Court justices in an election year. So thank God. That's, that's right. We have his yeah. word on. That. I'm sure he'll that, stand on principle. That's established precedent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what would be? I, I have I have no doubt that that uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg will be perfectly fine and will uh, you know be back on the bench come October. Um, there was some speculation that Justice Thomas might resign rather than potentially um, leave while um, a Democrat was president. Um, but if he did. McConnell would almost certainly force somebody through, but uh, you know, oh, it would yeah. be it would be uh, weeks and weeks of pointing out McConnell's hypocrisy, which has been readily apparent. Yeah, which will get us it'll get us nowhere. We'll end up with another uh, frat boy, extremely young uh, Supreme Court justice. He'll be like fucking twenty five years old. Yeah. So there you go, folks. That's how we're gonna. You got all our answers to avoiding our neo fascist. Theocratic religious future. Vote. You can donate to American Atheist. You can listen to his podcast. You can uh, mail Chuck directly. You can send me whiskey. Yep. That always helps. Yep. I, I would not say no to whiskey either. Yep. Send us all whiskey. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for uh, being our, the guest on our final episode of Irreligiosophy. Yeah, and and I look forward to final Final Fantasy Final Episode Two in the indeterminate future. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
The true skunk dick today was Chuck. He's the winner. I hope you enjoyed the last 45 minutes of broken conversation. Because <laughs> I'm not recording any of that shit again. Not a fucking chance. <laughs> this is the kind of quality you get in 2020, people. <laughs> the, and you're lucky to get it, you motherfuckers. That's right. Still, not a single patron on our patron account, Chuck. Not one. Yeah. I'm insulted. Yeah.